As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. Hey, welcome everyone to the EV Power podcast brought to you by the folks that bring you RPM News Weekly. That includes myself, Peter, and Rich. Rich, say hello. Howdy, Peter. How's everything going this week? Good, good. We're rolling out episode number four, I guess, right? Four. We're, we're really climbing the charts there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I mean, has there been any interesting oh, really? stories this week? I, I don't know. <laughs> ha, ha. Uh, I think you're being a little bit facetious, or, or is it sarcasm or, that I hear here? Or, that? Uh, or a, we have a lot of. There's been just there's been so much stuff on the news this week, and of course it does relate to what we do with EV Power Podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, in case you haven't been paying attention to the news, I mean, of course, I don't know how that would be even possible. You know that uh, you know Donald Trump is on the way out. Uh, not that a lot of people didn't predict that, and uh, Joe Biden is moving in. He's going to be moving into the old White House and uh, looking to green things up. And, and not the White House. I mean, unless, you know, maybe he is going to green up the White House. Who knows? They put solar panels on it. Yeah, right. It'll still say white, but uh, <laughs> but he definitely has some uh, some interesting parts of his platform that uh, will pertain directly to uh, the EV infrastructure and uh, the manufacturing of electric vehicles and, and promoting uh, a more green future. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. It's something yeah. that we look look forward to uh, at EV Power Podcast, and uh, glad to see that we've uh, we've got someone uh, who uh, is likely to succeed at this. Yeah, or, or take it seriously. I mean, that's the most important. Important, yeah, important first point. I mean, you know, it's not that I don't want to see uh, the EPA being run by an oil lobbyist or anything, but you know, uh, oh wait, we're not going to get some political stuff, were we? I mean, I don't know. Uh, so it's hard to it's hard to avoid a little bit of the politics of it, but I think sticking with some of the things, actual things that we're getting from the campaign, uh, as far as what some of the uh, what the platform was that Joe Biden has that, that pertains specifically to EVs, and there's quite a bit. Uh, you know, I mean, we could uh, you know start with uh, the, take take your pick. There's uh, I, I put jotted down a bunch of them. Uh, and how about we just start with something like increasing the federal procurement by about $400 billion, uh, so that they can purchase a lot in the clean energy uh, sectors like batteries and electric vehicles. And as part of that, this is, they're making a major federal commitment to purchase, uh, the plan is to make a major federal commitment to purchase clean vehicles for federal, state, tribal, postal, and local fleets. And, and, and that last section I was pretty much quoting right from the platform. That's a major deal. Uh, and it's quite an incentive for American manufacturers or even other manufacturers to, to uh, you know, to want uh, to be part of that. That's that's some, and and I think also, uh, not to commandeer the microphone here or anything. I think at the same point, to uh, the same thing is is that what that does is that it, that money, of course, affords those manufacturers uh, uh, not only incentive just to sell cars, but an incentive to to move the technology forward. Uh, you know, and to and to uh, improve the, the way in which the public uh, sees electric vehicles and how often they see them. You know, so it so sort of re, re, resets the, the, the whole way of thinking 
and, and I think that that's an important thing is, is that the exposure that the public will, will get as a consequence of, of a commitment like that is, is tremendous for advancing EV technology. Right, and you know, it, it, it kind of ties back into something we were talking about a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, with the whole Lordstown, uh, not Lordstown, sorry, uh, workhorse, with the whole workhorse situation. You know, they're in the running for, um, you know, the post office. The post office has, yeah. The, you know, they're replacing their fleet, which is, you know, laughably outdated. And I think workhorse is one of the only pure, you know, EV vehicles in the running at this point. So, you know, if they're looking to invest money more into electric vehicles and, and greener vehicles, I, I would I would think that that would probably be in workhorse's favor, you know, that, that they're they're now gonna seriously commit to something like that. Right. Yeah, it does change that dynamic. And you know, we've talked about this before. We it was kind of curious that there were not more electric vehicles. Uh, in the mix, but th this whole RFP for this, uh, the request for proposals, goes way back. Uh, you know, it's not something that was recent, which I think there right. may have been other more interested that some of the parties, uh, uh, major manufacturers might have shown more interest. I think Ford has an entry, uh, but it's not an electric vehicle entry from what I understand. So, uh, yeah, so this might really change the dynamics. Uh, and who knows with that whole thing, is maybe that the, post the uh, Postal Service will go back to square one and uh, you know, just say we're going to have you know start a whole new just round of, of requests for proposals. Uh, to I mean, get that, a, might, that actually makes sense. I mean, you know, especially since everything is going to be under new management. You know, maybe they want to go back and start again. <clears throat> Although, what you know, in that situation, will they have to compensate the manufacturers who've worked hard to get to this point? And and a lot of them will probably be in a better place if they restarted. You know, the whole the whole deal. Well, yeah. I mean, especially from what we understand about the the, the vehicle that uh, was coming out of work. Well, it was coming out of Lordstown, actually, but it, but it was like a it was it was that the, the, the proposal was uh, coming from Workhorse, right? Yeah, it was from Workhorse, and Lordstown is gonna is probably gonna build them at the Lordstown factory, which makes pretty lot you know a lot of sense because right. Workhorse. But, they, but that 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 vehicle, that vehicle had a lot of problems, you know, so. You know, I don't think the post office is just going to say yes uh, because it's an electric vehicle and they're being the only one if the vehicle yeah. is crap. You know, they, they, well, they go, they're going to look for some, something that, that, that's a, it's going to show the, the propensity for being able to keep all its pieces in one place <laughs> right, uh, and not leave, it, leave them on the road as they're traveling around the, the, our, our towns and communities. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, to be fair, a lot of manufacturers had issues, though, during that and um, testing period or the prototype period. And the Postal Service even admitted that they probably set an aggressive timeline. But I think, you know, at the pace of which things change, if you were to restart that program, it would be very interesting to see because now you have new players, you know, Amazon and, and Rivian. They've already got a van that they're putting yeah. out. You know, it's already maybe, going. Maybe, yeah, hey, hey you know? maybe even Sony. <laughs> right, right. So I, I don't sidetrack us too much. You know, talking about that. Uh, well, what's some of the other key points that, that we found in the platform that uh, that really point favorably towards the EV development, and, and, and uh, which includes, of course, battery and charging stations and and the whole thing, the whole infrastructure. 
you know, it goes back to um, promoting EVs. I mean, you've got to have charging in place for that. And, and they're talking about, you know, looking at talking to, what was it, $4 billion or? or... $400 billion was, if you're talking oh, about right. what the, the procurement promises that, you know, the, he's, he's going to look for $400 billion for that. But, you know, let's, I mean, if, we're going to, if we want to talk numbers, let, let's talk about some other numbers here. What about the commitment to transition municipal vehicles? This is outside of the regular procurement, uh, which would be more of a federal procurement program, but you know, to transition municipal vehicles, for example, school buses uh, to zero emission vehicles. And the task force that, he, that Biden had put together to, to kind of outline some of these ideas, uh, they were pointing towards 500,000 school buses you know, that yeah. are in use and that they're looking to replace them. You know, obviously, it probably won't all happen at once, but that's what they're looking at. They're saying, well, you know, you've got 500,000 school buses, a lot of them are diesel, probably most of them, besides a lot of them being outdated. Let's transition that. That's a great place to start. So that's one of the other commitments. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a, a small movement that's been wanting to get school buses as a focus, you know, start replacing school buses, electric vehicles, because... When you look at what school buses, it's just like the postal service vehicles. A lot of school buses, they don't go far beyond a certain route. You know, you don't need 300 miles of range on a school bus. You can get away with a low range vehicle. Uh, like I said, you know, the postal service vans, I'd be surprised if they drive a total of 30 miles a day. In the more urban and suburban areas. But, you know, you get some places as you go into some of the more rural parts of the country where, there's some significant mileage driving, you know, a lot of distance between uh, locations. You know, you get out into like the center of Illinois, going from town to town, there might be just a few few houses in, in a town, a church uh, and a bar and maybe a town hall. <laughs> I say that, you know, with a little bit of a laugh, but it's sort of true if you go through some of those areas, it's a little wide open farmland and you come to a little intersection and there's just uh, a few buildings. And, you know, to get to the next town could be 20, 30 miles away. So there are some places where they'll be traveling a, a bit more than they would, for example, in the town that I live in. But if you look at a school bus, I mean, there's plenty of real estate to add batteries if you need to. And if you have a system like their modular battery packs that they're talking about uh, for, like, the Hummer pickup truck, I'm sure they can make different levels. of Just like an electric car, you can buy electric cars with different levels of of range and different size battery packs. I'm, I'm sure that they could make it work. You know, a lot of it too is they're not just talking about school buses, they're talking about basically all buses. You know, the, the, it's kind of a grand plan to invest in these companies that are, are looking at, you know, maybe buses and maybe trucks. And, and when we talk about $400 billion, that's not like next year. That's, I think that, that kind of stretched out to 2030, I think that they were talking about on that. Right. So, right. you know, it's not like, you know, we're going to come up with this tomorrow or the day he signed, you know, he signed into office. And these are goals, you know, these are like, you know, to set something in motion that moves towards that goal, uh, you know, and, and even as there's some of the approvals for some of the spending outlays, uh, you know, that may go up or down uh, or may not even get anywhere, but you, it's like trying to move the ball forward, you know, like on a football field. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes you get a one-yard gain and sometimes you get a, a nice end run. You get a, a, you know, a Hail Mary pass. It all comes uh, down to the score. So, yeah. but, you know, there's so many aspects to this. I mean, uh, it was, we're sort of touching on one point here or there. 
But, you know, let, let's take a look like maybe inside the manufacturers themselves, you know, like where, what things are, what, what's going to be happening there. One of the things that was a good deal for consumers was to be able to get the credit for purchasing an EV. Besides threats to taking that credit away, there was also the, the, the cap that was put on for manufacturers. So in a certain kind of way, manufacturers like Tesla and General Motors, uh, they were actually kind of being punished for being so successful in selling their cars because the, their, their credit went away. Uh, after they reached uh, 600, uh, no, they're going to revisit it, but after they reached, uh, was it 300,000 cars? It goes lower than that, wasn't it? 200,000? Uh, I'm not sure if I'll that up. We'll have to yeah. look that up. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to get that number right. But we know that it was several hundred thousand was the, the cap. And once that, that was reached, uh, the, the uh, person buying that vehicle was not entitled to get the, the tax credit. But they want to revisit that. The Biden campaigns put forth the idea that that should be revised up to 600,000 vehicles and the uh, and to sort of compensate for that a little bit, you know, because, of course, this is money that's coming out of tax dollars. It'd be going back to those people who get the incentive uh, uh, to to uh, to cut it from seven, seven, $7,500 to cut that down to $7,000. So a small little give and take there. You know, you up the number of vehicles that can still get get uh, fall under the cap, and but you you don't get quite as much. Uh, and it's not a big reduction. I mean, this five hundred that's a lot of money. It's a couple of weeks' groceries certainly for many people, but uh, it's uh, it's still up at seven thousand, which is what they hope to be achieving. But the other side of it too is is that it would only be available to household incomes uh, that are. Uh, $200,000 or less, $250,000 or less. So someone who obviously is making millions, they're not going to really be entitled to get a, a tax credit for, for the car. So the incentive oh, is really really to get more working class families into the idea of buying an electric vehicle. You know, I can uh, agree with that. I think there should yeah. actually be a, a value. There should be a set limit of, of the cost of the car. It should be under a certain amount of money. You know, you don't need a tax break on a Porsche Taycan or, you know, even even like the Tesla Model X, you know, a car that floats around $100,000. Yeah, yeah. Any car where someone could say, if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it, then that shouldn't yeah. get a tax credit. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there are certain Ferraris that I guess would be, you know, eligible if they're like sort of a plug-in hybrid or, or you know. Yeah. Uh, have sort of an electric powertrain. Hopefully they'll put a, a, a cap on that as well. I think if they do any sort of EV credit extension or, or cap extension, it should it should focus on bringing the cost of an electric car down to that like $25,000 mark or even better, which I can't see happening unless it's really a kind of a low range type thing. And uh, just to follow up, the, the cap was 200,000 uh, EVs. So oh, okay, I was just typing that in. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Tesla and, and um, Tesla and GM have both passed by that, and I and I think Nissan has as well. I can't see that they haven't. They've done a, a lot of leaves. So, uh, oh, or yeah. is it leaves? Is it Nissan leaves? <laughs> I, uh, right. So, uh, that, that's, so, a, that's a We'll take up that gr grammatical question on, on a future podcast. Oh, um, you know, I love grammar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love grammar too. <laughs> oh no, I don't. That's why I, um, that's why I have around. I don't need to. I, I don't have to think. Uh, no grammar. <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, Grandma got right, run over by a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely with me. Yeah, so so the um, what were we talking about? Um, they're looking at what extending that to six hundred thousand per per maker. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're looking to do. But you know that goes hand in hand with increasing the, the number of charging stations uh, as well, and and encouraging people to 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 install their own charger. I was doing a little bit of number crunching on on what it costs if you're going to be uh, going to a charging station uh, every every day or whatever, and charging uh, charging up that way versus putting in and uh, installing a, a, a charging station at home, which besides being very convenient, would uh, will end up saving you a lot more money. But uh, first of all, let's let's talk about getting the charging stations in place. One part of uh, uh, the program here, uh, the Biden program, would be to Partner with charging station operators such as ChargePoint and uh, EVGo is another one. There's a, there's, a, there's a numerous charging station operators, but to partner them with state and local governments in an aim to build uh, 500,000 public charging stations. So that would really that would that would go a long way. There are I, I saw one statistic that was saying that you know a, the number of charging stations per vehicles that are capable of using them versus gas stations and uh, cars that are out there on the road that uh, are petroleum cars, the, the ratio is a lot higher already with electric. But I, I somehow thought that the statement was a little bit specious because I, I think that they may have been using not pumps at stations, but the station itself. But, you know, you get a station on a highway that's got eight spots that's eight pumps so when they're saying charging stations yeah okay tesla put up 10 of them at some location but you know that's equivalent to a big you know new jersey turnpike gas station that has you know umpteen stations as you pull in there's probably about 16 of them at least at, at some of them so uh, you know, so I'm not sure if the equation was actually fair in that case. But nevertheless, definitely there's a need for it, especially, and I think one of the key efforts was to focus on those rural areas or what some people call energy deserts. Have you read much about that stuff? Yeah, yeah, uh, a little bit, but... Well, you know, I mean, there's some places in the country that not just charging stations, but even the access to electricity is kind of sketchy. You know, so uh, those are areas that, that, that there might be more of a focus on building up the infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure, and, and along with that to build up the, while you're doing that, to be building up the charging station infrastructure. I think somewhere, the, I mean, the effort is like to, you know, a national strategy that uh, it goes to these energy deserts, you know, mostly to reduce the disparities. And this was something coming from the uh, Biden task force. I think if I got the language right, uh, I'll quote it. It says, develop a national strategy to eliminate energy poverty, including lack of electric electricity access in rural places and reduce disparities in energy burden. Uh, so I guess uh, when they say energy burden is maybe the cost uh, in some places because of... Uh, the, you know, the way the pricing deviates quite a bit from the in locations around the country, there are some places that the access to it is limited. The prices, of course, commensurately will go up. So to kind of level that out a little bit. So it's, it's, it's an enormous goal, uh, tremendous to, to even know that we're, talk, we're going to be talking more about this uh, and more seriously about it. 
uh, as a, as a course, because we know that this all affects the climate that uh, we all have to live with uh, around the globe. Um, and, you know, we've got, you know, in, in many ways, we've been getting uh, our butts kicked, so to speak, by um, foreign competitors because we haven't had an administration that, that was uh, so proactive in this area. Uh, so the technology is advancing very quickly and uh, we we're getting more and more left behind. So I think it's a really great thing that now we'll, we'll be on board in a much more powerful way. Right, and I hope that they kind of explore the idea of the virtual power plant. You know, if you're talking about rural areas or small towns that are sort of far away from any electrical substation or electric plant, you know, the idea of the virtual power plant, like that's something that Tesla has been working on, of course, right. with the power walls, that you could have thousands of homes connected and working together, generating electricity and trading that, you know, here and there if needed. So, you know, that's another energy I hope that they look into, or not energy, but a uh, plan to, to kind of take the burden off of the grid. Because if you try to put it, if you try to come to, you know, with a plan that says we're going to build 500,000 new electrical, uh, electric vehicle charging stations, well, that's what they want to do. But the automatic pushback to that is going to be, well, what about the grid? You can't uh, even run an air conditioner in California. So you've got to have a plan that's sort of multi-pronged attack for that. And that's what, according to the layout, on, on you can go on to the Joe Biden website, you know, that's what they seem to be, you know, working on is sort of this, this not just one thing. We're not just going to say electric vehicles, we're going to do $400 billion. So we're going to have electric vehicles from everyone and, you know, for everyone. And because you can't right now, anyway, you, you, there will be no way to charge them. And, and there are a lot of chargers outside of, say, like a Tesla network. There are a lot of chargers if you were to travel in an EV car. But I still, when we get EV cars to test drive, because we don't do this all the time, I still find them hit or miss. It's very, it's either super convenient, it works out well, or I end up sitting at a charger for a couple hours because either I didn't understand or, or I, was, I didn't read the fine print and all of a sudden I'm at a charger that's not fast enough to, to charge my car, you know, in a, right. in a time manner. So and that happens, that happened to me with the Jaguar I-Pace, you know, it was that car, I love the car, but it just needs a little bit more as far as battery goes. And at one point, I actually stopped at a Harley-Davidson dealership to charge it, which was kind of funny. But, you know, Harley installed chargers at all their, their locations now because they sell the live wire. So we're talking about a charging station that's really set up to charge a motorcycle. It wasn't, right. you, know, yeah. you know, and I can't well, complain. It was when I needed it, but it was still like it took a lot longer than I, I, I'd hoped, you know. Right. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think long term, just in general, that the, the idea of the home charger will work for many, many people. Uh, maybe a little bit more of a stretch when you start getting into the cities where you've got apartment dwellers and you've got, you know, who maybe don't have a driveway or you don't want to, you know, you don't want to see competition for, for parking spaces getting mixed up with competition for electric chargers. It could cause, just cause a lot of tension in, in neighborhoods and in communities. So, yeah, it, it's clearly going to need, have be a need for additional charging stations, not just because of, you know, like the range of the battery, but just simply because of the convenience and, and having access. But to get back to the idea of you know, uh, the power stations you were talking about, uh, which could be a part of that too, is, is that because on you know a very hot summer day in a city that is known for brownouts because of, of air conditioners all being turned on, 
adding all of the, these cars to the, to the to the grid will be an issue if there isn't something else that is there to provide more electric juice. So uh, in, if you get through some of the platform here, I found something here that pertains to that. And I kind of quote right from it. It says a, a specific focus on uh, R&D and procurement commitments will be on battery technology for use in electric vehicles and on our grid, okay? So that's kind of really, I, no, it's not just intended for, for you know, getting greater range in vehicles, which is important. Uh, although, you know, we've got cars now that will get you 400 miles or more. So that, that's, a, that's a, uh, at least the equivalent of most, you know, what you get with a, a tank of gas. And that can only get better. But uh, the, the key thing is, is on, and on the grid, as a complement uh, to the uh, solar and wind technologies. So in other technologies, uh, and also basically to kind of wean us off of the carbon fuels that, that we know are, are have become extremely detrimental to the atmosphere um, and to the climate around the globe. And plus, you want to get to a point where you're moving away from the, the counter arguments to electric vehicles saying, yeah, but where are you plugging your car in? Where are you getting that electricity? You know, it's not so clean if, if you know, if it's coming from a coal-fired plant or if it's coming from a plant that is using uh, a carbon-based energy for to generate electricity. So, uh, yeah, you want, we want to be able to move, move forward on all of those fronts. So I would think the key here is, is that uh, it would be find a way to lower costs. Well, that's uh, what it is. Yeah, you got to get costs down. I mean, you know, even though you can get like a Tesla Model 3 or a Bolt, you know, it's still higher than the average, you know, slightly higher than the average comparable vehicle. You know, you could buy a Sonic for under 20000 or a, a Bolt for, what is it? 40, I think, 41 before the incentives or something. Not that anyone's paying sticker price for those because I've seen a lot of on clearance, but what are you going to do if you're, you're cash-strapped and, and are you going to go out and buy a buy a Bolt at that almost $10,000 more, depending on what you end up getting the car for, or are you just going to buy the Sonic and put gas in it, right? So it's, yeah. And competition, see, that's the thing. Competition will bring the, you know, like anything, that's where you'll start bringing the cost well, down. And you know, uh, many consumers are going to be watching their pennies as far as what they're spending on electricity. It's the same as they, they, they watch how they spend on, on gasoline. You know, when you plan a trip, you're going a uh, three, 400-mile trip. You're, with gasoline, you're not just worried about, well, where am I going to find gas stations? Because you know you'll probably find them anywhere you go. But you also do some calculations and figure out more or less how much it's going to cost you. Uh, you might add up some of the tolls. You might say, "Well, it's likely to, you know, use this much gasoline." But you budget for it. You know, I, I, that's that's a key point. But you know, I mean, the, the, as far as like finding out what it costs you for your electricity, uh, I, I mean, I've looked at some, and this to me, I I I kind of sense that some of the the charging station operators are are gouging the public at this point, almost to the point where if you were to compare the cost of charging your car at home versus charging it, uh, especially the fast charging uh, scenario. If you got like a DC fast charger, you may end up paying double the amount of money for that. Yeah, and it may not sound like much, but it says, well, it's only $11 a day. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that adds up pretty quickly. So, I mean, that's another calculation that has to be made. I think also, 
you know, in, in the midst of this, this rush to, to get charging stations up and to get uh, people on uh, into electric cars and, and using uh, electric chargers, that's a big question. You know, is this going to be an opportunist uh, scenario where you've got, uh, you know, people stranded and you're going to charge them a ton of money for, for their fuel? It's nothing worse when, when you know, when you, when you need gas and you're in a city somewhere and you pull into a gas station, you're accustomed to, to spending, let's say, two and a half on, on a gallon of gasoline and you see the price at $3.25 and you go, holy, you know, what's going on here? You know, and, and you know it's because, you know, you're, you're, you're over a barrel, pardon the pun. I'd hate to see that happen with electricity. I have actually driven away from a charging station because the, the cost was too high. And especially, too, when they start doing the, you know, they charge you so much per minute. I, I don't want to know right. per minute. I want to know, how, what am I buying? You know, what's the, yeah, what's yeah. the how, how many kilowatt hours am I buying? Rather than sitting there trying to figure it out, well, my car accepts only this many kilowatt kilowatt hours of, of fuel per per minute so i've got this much you know in 10 minutes uh, you know versus another car and the, the, the per minute you know rationing of uh, of dispensing of, of of electricity i don't i don't buy it uh, i don't I, I think that this it's that's really open for for um, disparities between one vehicle to another yeah. i think it should be based on how much fuel are you getting that's what you should get charged on not how long you have the thing stuck in the, in your car, the, the pump stuck in your car. Imagine if that would be the case with, with gasoline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, gas can, gas can shoot up pretty high overnight, too, you know. So that's, you know, depending on circumstances or situations. So, uh, you know, that's happened. Yeah, but, you know, I, imagine if you went to one fuel pump and it had a tiny little nozzle, you know, right. where the fuel, you know, dripped out. You know, or, or let's say your car had a small little receptacle, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I know that you're trying to make the, the parallel comparisons here might be you know, the physics, physics of it don't, don't, don't quite yeah. jive. But, but the idea being is, is that let's say that, you know, you know it says, well, we're, we're going to charge you $2 a minute to pump up, fill up your car. But, you know, you pull the pump, think off the pump, and it's got just this small little, you know, nozzle. So the fuel is dripping right. out of it versus a bigger nozzle. Or, you know, in that case, like, you know, what if it was like a, a race car, you know, on, on the track, you know, where they've got these you know, tremendously big, you know, it guzzles the gas right down. But, you know, they, they fill up the tank, you know, in, in 10 seconds, you know. Mm. You know, those, those are things that, you know, those are, I guess, you know, some of the, the future battles to be fought, uh, you know, on, on the EV front. And I'm sure the, these things will come up. Uh, and nothing ever gets answered all at once. Uh, you know, we're no. looking for, uh, uh, you know, I think we're moving in a real positive direction. You know, there's, there's so much that, uh, you know, when you look at the platform, so much that's favorable towards the advancement of EV and EV usage uh, and also battery and, and power generation. So this is, uh, this is a good time. It's a very right. good time for us. And kind of to your point, you know, there, there sort of needs to be a standardization plan between all these, you know, even though there's different companies that run these these different charging networks, there, there needs to be sort of a standard standardization. You have, on the gas side, you have Shell, you have Mobile, you have all these companies that sell oil, but you don't have that confusion, you know. If I pull out to this gas station, will, will the pump be operational today? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what will the cost at this pump be versus, you know, uh, gas prices sort of fluctuate 
uh, obviously, and, and depending on where the gas stations are, but you're not going to run into a situation where one gas pump is free and then down the street the other gas pump fifteen dollars to fill your car. So, yeah. so, and then you have different different um, these different levels of charging. You have DC fast charging. You have certain connectors. You know, it, that just confuses people and sort of drives. I, I think just who wants to think about that? You know, oh, will this pump do this? Well, this one, will this station do this? They they need to sort of make it easy because that's what people are are used to. And, right. And, yeah. You know, you're right about home charging. I mean, that's just the way to do it. You know, you pull into the driveway, you plug it in, and that's what most EV owners do. You know, you have a lot of you know Tesla going back to the example because that's the most easiest. Uh, that's the easiest example, but. You know, they have 20,000 superchargers now. I think they just hit that milestone. And, of course, it goes back to what you were saying about that doesn't mean locations. That means they have 20,000 you know, 20, superchargers. But people don't necessarily drive to a supercharger to charge their car and then go home. I'm sure there's people who do that. If you live in an apartment, I mean, or if you live in a place where the landlord's not, you know, won't welcome, say, an EV charger. But and I think if you're looking at, plans to overhaul this whole system, I think that also needs to be considered. When you talk about tax incentives, they should have tax incentives for building owners and for new construction. Matter of fact, there should be regulations for new construction. I think every, and uh, I bet you this, I probably got this idea from California somewhere, I must have read it, but every new home should have provisions for an EV charger in the garage, and you should have that, it should be a requirement. If you're going to put in a house with a garage, you should have to have that structure in place already when you build the house just like solar panels i think again california i believe that certain amount of homes built or even all you know new homes built after a certain time have to have solar panels or provisions for them or something like that an interesting way to look at that too is is that you could be a safety component uh the unlikely i mean there will very likely be some pushback on that front because, uh, you know, there'll be, well, I'm not intending to buy an EV because a lot of people be, might be looking at, you know, just right now, you know, I'm not intending to do that without recognizing that within 10 years, you, that's, you're probably going to be using an EV or there'll be so many, uh, so much more of a presence of EVs. So, you know, so that idea is, is that, well, what about the safety side of it? You know, uh, I know that I had a little issue with a plugging in with just a regular, you know, household current using a, uh, you know, just a, no, I wasn't even using an extension cord or anything, but just plugging into a household current and plugging in a, a vehicle uh, with the charging uh, cord that, they, that comes with a vehicle so that you can use regular household current. But it, it pulls a lot of power and that connector heats up pretty well. And it may have been a, a case of the, uh, the connector, the plug into the wall socket might have been just slightly loose, but for some reason or another, I, I burnt the, the, the socket out. Uh, that could have caused that could have caused a fire. Uh, but they yeah. heat up. You know, there's just a lot of juice that's flowing through. So if you have it as a requirement uh, built in, as especially knowing that you know we're not that far away from you know a where EVs will, will dominate uh, in terms of automobiles. A lot of people say that's wishful thinking, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've heard that all before for the last 20 years we've been hearing that. Uh, but I think we are really at a critical point where uh, there's a lot of momentum going right now. We see, we see it uh, every week when we read the news stories about manufacturers, uh, just what the designs are and their plans are for the future, and, and not just the, the new startups. 
with the, you know, the major manufacturers and what their plans are for electric vehicles. So that sounds like a, that's a that's a decent idea to have that. I mean, I think if anything, if there's any sort of like you know requirements, uh, if you're going to be building a shopping mall or a plaza, that you have requirements for for how many parking spaces you need to have, how many handicap spaces you need to have. Why not have you have to have X number of spaces that are dedicated to charging stations? Uh, right. You know, to me, to me, it makes a lot of sense. You know, to do that, it just. Uh, and even if it's if, even if they're not free, although I would imagine that a, a, a plaza they would want to have them free as an encouragement for people to want to come and shop there, you know, and to linger there. You know what I mean? You come in, you go. Oh, I, I'm going to have to stick around for 20 minutes. So I'll get a cup of coffee. Maybe I'll go over to that that store over there that's got some clothes. I'll take a look. I I need to get some some socks or something. You know, there's a lot of advantages. Well, the, the irony is to that is that that. Charging is getting so much faster. The technology is, is advancing and advancing and advancing. You're at the point where a, a car can charge on a fast charger up to 80% in a matter of minutes, you know, 20 minutes. So you see this a lot. People talk about, you know, Tesla supercharging. They'll, they'll pull up. The, you know, the, the habit was you pull up, you, you plug the car in, you go into the whatever, the store, or the rest stop, or whatever. And you, you grab a quick bite to eat and grab lunch and stuff. But now people aren't getting back to the car fast enough because it takes too long to, uh, to eat <laughs> lunch. The car is charged up to 80%. It, it, uh, so, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of you know, swinging the other way. But, you know, even if you don't want to make it a mandate that, say, a new building owner or a new apartment building owner has to put in a certain amount of solar or, or, or charging stations, it, you know, maybe make it a tax incentive. A lot of people just don't understand. They don't, like the story goes back, you know, to our old office building. The office building changed hands and it was bought by a company and they came around to all the tenants in the office and our office was in this building. And they said, you know, what, I, what would you like to see at this building to bring new tenants in or to, to kind of update the building? Because the building was neglected. So they were looking for ways to fill empty offices. I think it was like a 60% vacancy at some point. So, so they come around, and, and I said to the to the building manager, I said, you know, what about the idea of putting in EV chargers for the tenants or for people to use? And he just looked at me and said, nah, they never go for that. <laughs> you know, and that was it. That was the end of the discussion. It's like yeah. here you have an office building that's in a techie area, you know, it's outside of Boston, and it's got a shopping plaza down the street, and it had a Chinese food restaurant next door and an Indian restaurant next door. And, yeah. and it's like the perfect place for something like that because it was right off of Route 2. And there was a location in the several parking areas that they had that was somewhat separate from the main parking area. And it would have accommodated, I think it's four or five cars. That would have been almost like an ideal spot. Now the building's empty again. <laughs> There's nobody well, in there. Hey, you know, as we kind of wind this down, Peter, because I think we kind of, you know, have really, really talked this up pretty well. One of the things that can get lost in the shuffle here, too, is, is that much of the platform here, and we're, as we're talking about this, how the new administration, uh, what does this mean for the EV future? Uh, one of the things is that a lot of the incentives here, I mean, a lot of the discussion about this is that these uh, will be providing new opportunities for American workers in uh, new jobs and in, in these new technologies. So that's a key part of, of all of this. So, you know, as we look ahead, you know, uh, instead of looking like we're thinking that we might be losing something, think about how much we can really gain from all this. 
the funny thing about you talk about new jobs and such, this is kind of where Biden is in is in sort of a jam, not jam, but maybe a little bit of an odd space because he wants to promote EV vehicles and he wants to roll out these plans and, and send, you know, incentivize EV vehicle sales. And, but the UAW, uh, you know, auto union, they're kind of worried about the whole EV future. A lot of these, you know, a lot of the members, they see electric vehicles as a, a detriment to the auto industry, and they think it's going to cost them jobs, and it, and it kind of is in some ways because, you know, you're going to lose transmission factories, you're going to lose engine factories, and you're going to lose, you know, axle factories. And, right, and there's a worry about of- that, and about the ripple that might have. But on the plus side is you have to look at, well, what might be replacing that? You know what I mean? Right, it's but- like you may have those jobs, that are, there's a transition, but definitely a, a transition period. And I don't think sure. that's, uh, I, I don't think, you know, we're marching blindly into the future in that respect. I think that uh, there's a, uh, a sense that we have to, we have to do this in a way that doesn't just leave uh, people marginalized and on the sidelines, especially right. workers that, that, that dedicate their lives to, you know, to helping uh, building cars and being well, a, a, a mainstay of our economy. Yeah, and that's the, you know, that's the thing. How do you transition these workers who have been doing a certain thing a certain way since 1920, right? It's like, here's this, this sort of fear that, like I said, you know, a transmission factory might go out, but then again, that transmission factory has to be replaced by a battery factory. So there is a certain, there's going to be a certain balance to it. You're still going to need certain things. Somebody's going to have to make electric motors and stuff, although there's less components to them. But, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the building. There is this this sort of, either, I don't know if it's prejudiced or, or the sphere of, of an electric vehicle future, or people just don't care. They just don't understand. They don't want to hear about it. And, and that's where, like, you know, where Biden puts in the whole the language of American-made or, or you know, we want to incentivize or help these American companies. He made sure to throw that in a lot, you know, American-made vehicles. Any of the money that he's planning to put forth in these proposals that in every step of the way, what I've seen is, is that he is very clear to ensure that they will be built in the United States by American workers. So that's that's a big promise, and and hopefully that that calms any any negativity. But you know, I've always used this expression, you know, right from the start when we were talking about long ago about hybrids and, and electric cars, which they were just beginning to make some advances. And that's that. You know, it seemed to off at times that. Many people were kicking and screaming their way into the future, and that's an image that I don't want to ever see myself be part of, because <laughs> I think that you know I just as soon embrace uh, these technologies and embrace this as a way that we'll live in a much cleaner world. There's a lot of work to be done. So we didn't even. So the irony is here: we didn't even touch the list. <laughs> There's a list of, you know, and again, you can go on Joe Biden's website, or if you search it out, you can find a lot of his policies. We didn't talk about vehicle emissions, like the plan to kind of get back on course with, with vehicle emissions. Right, right. That'll be something for our next podcast. Yeah, I'll have to kind of do a part two on this because, again, there is a lot of stuff that we I, missed. I have, and, I, I have a feeling we'll be revisiting this several times in the coming months. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully the, the Biden uh, camp will clarify and, and put out an updated sort of list or plan or 
you know, now that they're kind of getting, you know, Joe Biden will be getting his cabinet in place and for the COVID thing is a little bit more important. So, you know, stuff like yeah. that, obviously, yeah. you know, it'd be nice to hear about what the, or what they plan to do and, you know, hopefully interjecting a little bit of more science into the, into the government. We'll pick this up again next week. Yeah, good episode. Yeah, good to talk with you, Peter. No, you as well. And uh, we'll see y'all uh, next time. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly, or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com.